0: Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner.
1: Guys, we're in a series that I'm very, very excited about. Let's go ahead and just jump in. This is a series titled "A True Hero." A true hero. One of our key scriptures for our message this morning is Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them, please, to Matthew 16 and verse 18. I also know that it is behind me, but the Bible says this: that I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or the gates of hell, uh, uh, the gates of Hades, will not prevail against it or will not overcome it. And so we're in this series about, you know, different people that have that have just, you know, done significant things. And um and we've we've talked about the kind of church that we want to, you know, be a part of. We want to belong to. How many of you want to be a part of a powerful church, an active church, a purposeful church, a church that is filled with life. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church that is spirit-led and spirit-driven. I don't want to be a part of, you know, a church that just picks up the next and the latest, greatest program that every other church is doing. I think that Grace Church is a unique church. While all churches are important to the Lord, it's very important that we are who we are called to be, amen? How many of you know that? And the same thing is true about you. and your life, you are a unique individual. Please don't try to be somebody that you're not, but be the best version of you Come on, that you can you can be. And so I want a church that's also built upon the word of God. Right. I I don't want to just, you know, sprinkle a little bit of God's word a little bit here and there. But we need to be a church that understand and know God's word, because God's word is the very thing that will change you into his image and likeness. How many of you want to become more like Christ? How many of you want to be less like the flesh, right? More like Christ, less like the flesh. And so the way that you're going to do that is by consuming the word of God. The word of God in you is the hope of glory, right? The, the word of God in you is the it, it washes you, it changes your mind, it changes your thinking. How many of you think very differently than you thought when you were in the world, Right? Like Friday comes around, you're looking forward to Sunday because it's church instead of, you know, the bar. And uh, come on, somebody, I know you, I know who I'm speaking to, bunch of you bar hoppers, old bar hoppers in here this morning. Jeff, I know you, you will, no, no, <laughs> you were laughing the loudest, so I had to, I, he's like, man, oh, man, really, really? <laughs> um, but but you're different now. You're different. You're changed. You're a different person. Old things have passed, and behold, all things are becoming new, right? You might not be there yet, but things are are, are becoming new. All right, so let's go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. We've just finished with Hebrews 11, which is the hall of faith. It, it lists a lot of the people that we're talking about here um, as far as heroes of the faith it says this, Hebrews 12, 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all of these heroes of the faith, right, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and, and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked out. The race that has been marked out for us. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. I want you to know this, that if you're here today, you're in a race. All of the people that, have, that, have, that have, we read about in Hebrews 11, they've already ran their race, Mary. They've already run their course. You and I are still in the midst of that race. We've got a job to do. And there's a call and a purpose that is unique to your life. Amen? Amen. It's unlike anybody else's call, it might be similar to somebody else's call, but your call is unique and you've got a you've got a purpose and God has a plan for each and every one of us today, the hero that we're going to talk about is one of the coolest people in the Bible. Um, his name is Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God. He was a man of God. He was an Old Testament prophet, and he was he was he was a prophet in the Northern Kingdom. Now, Elijah lived three hundred years. We we started out the series talking about Samson, right? Elijah lived three hundred years after Samson lived, and then last week we talked about Mary. It was asked of me by Jana. Which Mary? There's many Marys in the Bible. And I was like, the Mary. Like the mother of Jesus, Mary. Elijah lived 900 years prior to, to, to Mary living. I believe she was, uh, she was born right around 18, um, 18 BC. And so God loves uh, his people. His people being the children of Israel. They were enslaved in Egypt. Can somebody tell me how many years they were enslaved in Egypt? 400 years. And God pulled them out of Egypt, crossed them you know, through the sea, across the desert, and delivered them into what is known and called as the promised land, the, the land that flows with milk and honey, right? And so, so two kings into this, two kings into them being in the promised land, Right. This is a whole message in itself. But two kings in, they already had problems. They had division issues. And they divided into the northern kingdom, which is the kingdom of Israel. And they divided into the southern kingdom, which is the kingdom of Judah. And so what do we learn from that? That even Christians, if you leave them alone without God for a long period of time, they're going to find things to divide over and things to you know, have issues over. How many of you know that we need to work for unity? Unity is not going to be, it's not going to be, you know, by default, it is going to be because of of work and effort that goes into it. That's in your household, and that's certainly in the church, and it's in business and everything else. And so, so King Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom, which Elijah was the prophet in, right? King Ahab had a wife, can somebody tell me what his wife's name was? jezebel jezebel was a wicked wicked woman she was the wicked woman from the north okay jezebel was wicked and 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 her husband king ahab was weak do you know what you have whenever you have a weak king and a wicked woman as a wife you got a mess You got a weak man and a wicked woman and wickedness abounded in this whole area. And so in the midst of all of this wickedness is it is the exact place that Elijah was called to do something spectacular, something significant. So God speaks to Elijah and he says, hey, listen, I want you to prophesy something. I want you to prophesy a drought. And so he prophesies this drought and for three and a half years it does not rain. There's trouble in the land. Now they've got this, this drought. And, and how many of you know this that God will often use pain to get to people? A lot of times we're, you know, we're praying against the very thing that is needed to get, come on, people lined up and serving the Lord. And under I'm telling you this: that God will allow pain in your life to get you where you need to be. Because he loves you so much, because he loves you so much, he will use pain, come on, to reach his people. And so, so he's got this three and a half year period of, of, of no rain. At the end of the three and a half years is where all of us know the conflict that took place. There was a conflict. There was a, so I grew up in the, I'm 50 years old. I grew up in I grew up in 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 the the birth of of the rap music era, and 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 even in Umatilla, Oregon. Any Vikings in the house? No, okay. Again, no Vikings. Go Umatilla. I know we've got some online viewers from back home, but I remember packing around the boombox in the in the in the, uh, the, the red wagon, and packing your own cardboard. And I was really not good at floor work. If you know what I'm talking about, floor work is when you leave your feet and you hit the floor and you do things like back spins and the centipede. Javi's going to demonstrate right now. <laughs> Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Javi's going to demonstrate a little floor work for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll let him stretch out next service. If you want to see Pastor Javi do the centipede across the stage, come back next service. That's, uh, we'll let him stretch out and get all warmed up and ready to go. But, um, but back in the day, we used to have like, and I was never like really, really good at it, but we used to have dance-offs and and there would be these battles that you would you know one person would go out and do things that they shouldn't do and then the next person would go out and and swallow your heart and things like that and 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 I I know for some of you you're like this is the weirdest part of any service that I've ever been in just follow me but there was this rap battle this 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 dance battle that would take place and it really reminds me of what's happening here with the man of God, the prophet of God, Elijah, he is he is he's he's at the he's at the battleground with 450 prophets of Baal and he is poking fun at them and he's like he's like whose God is real the one true living God that I serve or you know that 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 little G God that you guys that you guys serve and he was just getting these guys riled up and he says this is what we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna put two bowls on the altar and they built an altar. They put two bowls on the altar. He said, you guys go first, all 450 of you. You work. You do whatever you can. Call out fire from heaven, from your God, to consume this sacrifice that we have just made. And I'm just going to sit back and, and just, you know, wait for this to happen. And so they're cutting themselves, these false prophets of Baal. You know, they, they're cutting themselves. They're chanting they're crying out they're they're ripping their clothes they're doing all kinds of weird things to 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 have their god consume the the sacrifice that was on the altar and and of course they couldn't do it and there's a whole lot that goes into that but Elijah steps up and he just he just prays to god And he calls out fire from heaven. Fire comes down and it consumes the bulls that were on the altar. It consumes the altar. It consumes all the water that they poured on the altar and around the altar. Why? Because he serves the one true living God. The same God that you and I serve today. That's why, right? I just love that. Such a powerful, powerful moment. And then Elijah prays and then rain falls, which it hadn't fallen for Three and a half years. So this is where we pick up the scripture. I kind of went through that, prefaced it. Um, check it out on your own. But turn your Bibles to 1 Kings first chapter 19, starting with verse 1. It says this. Now Ahab, which is the king of the northern kingdom, told Jezebel, his wife, the wicked woman, right? The wicked woman from the north. Told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all of the prophets with the sword, verse two. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, "This may the gods, little g gods, because they can't, they can't even consume a little altar. You know, and and a and, uh, uh, there's zero power in a little g god. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely." If by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of them, one of the ones that you have killed, had killed with this, with the sword. And so Elijah goes, I want you to know this. I'm giving you the, 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 you know, the, the end of the story or close to the end of the story. Elijah goes from a very high, high of seeing the hand of God move in and through his life to a very, very low, low and 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 I want you to know this, that I think that this really represents a lot of things that we deal with today that we don't really understand. but I believe it it represents depression. I believe it it represents, you know, people that deal with 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 bipolar. Um, you know, they've been. Uh, dealing with bipolar issues, anxiety, a lot of mental health. How do you go from a high, high to a low, low in just a matter of moments? And so I titled today's message simply this, falling apart, falling apart. And maybe it's possible that you have come into this place this morning and you would say, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's talking about falling apart because that's exactly where I'm at in my life right now. I feel like my life is in shambles and it's absolutely, you know, falling apart. And maybe this is the other thing. If you're not in that place right now, I can guarantee you that you've been in that place before, or I'm not prophesying this, I'm just smart. (laughs) Or there's going to be a time in your future where you're going to find yourself going through a season where it seems like your life is falling apart. And it's in shambles. And so I want you to know this, that you're in good company. All can identify. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you've been married what you would consider too long because you've been married so long that you've kind of taken each other for granted and you've lost touch. You've lost touch with the person that you fell in love with 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Or maybe you're married and you're brand new married. Maybe, maybe you're married and you've only been into this thing three years and your picture perfect marriage didn't look anything like the marriage that you find yourself in right now looks, right? So your marriage is, is, is falling apart and you don't know what to do. I'm telling you, this message is for you. Come on, maybe it's your business. Maybe, maybe you're stuck and you can't get traction. Maybe the the boss that is over you, they they don't see the value that you bring, you know, to the company. You're looking at that leaving, you know, your place of business that you've been employed by for 30 years. You're fixing. You know you're you're that close to retirement but now because of the 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 way that our world is and the healthcare you know they're trying to push you to do something that you don't that you can't do that you don't want to do that's your decision right but now you're faced with oh my gosh what am I going to do you know am I going to lose all of these years and this benefit as you retire maybe you're a teacher and they're they're pushing you come on to to you know to teach that, that, that you can choose your own identity. Maybe, maybe there's, there's classes that you have to go through that just, they don't really settle with you uh, with, with critical race theory. And, and now you love teaching, you love the students, but now you're being forced, you know what I mean, to teach something that you don't necessary, necessarily believe. And you're wondering, how in the world am I gonna do anything other than, than this? Because this is all I know. This is what I've went to school for. Right? Maybe your business is falling apart. Maybe things are changing and, and, and you feel like, like your foundation is just on shifting sand. Maybe your kids, they've been raised in church. You know what I mean? They gave their heart to Jesus at a young age. You know, they were baptized when they were 8, 10, 12, 15, whatever. But now, as young adults, it doesn't even seem like they love God or they're serving God or they have any interest in the things of God. What do you do when your life is falling apart? What do you do whenever you don't even understand your own thoughts and you're like, listen, I shouldn't even be thinking this way, but, but I can't get out of the funk and the feelings that I'm dealing with. What do you do when your life is falling apart? What do you do when you find yourself dealing with an addiction that you just cannot break free from? You've been prayed for more times than you've prayed for anything else. But you're still dealing with the same addiction. What do you do when your life is falling apart? It could go on and on and on and on. These are all real situations. And your situation is real to you. And Elijah's situation was real to him. And I'm just telling you this. That Elijah, when we take him from the stands down to the field. What is it that he would say to us? After living his, his, his life complete, he's in the hall of faith. What is it that Elijah would say to us? First of all, I believe that he would first of all identify with your pain. I believe he would say, Jed, you know what? I understand. Man, do I ever understand. Like I may not understand exactly what it is that you're going through, but I understand, man. I understand the struggle and the trouble and the difficulty But the next thing out of his mouth, I believe, would be along the lines of your perspective or your approach to your issues, because your perspective, number one, will shape your reality. How you deal with your trouble, come on, how you enter into your trouble, how you come up underneath in the middle of your trouble is going to determine how you exit your trouble. And sometimes people, because their perspective is off, their approach to the issue is off, they stay in their issue for the rest of their life. Not having the very things that we just prayed for at the beginning of this service. God, let there be freedom. God, remove the fear and replace it with faith. Do you remember that? It was just like 10 minutes ago. Right? And so your perspective is going to shape your reality. First Kings chapter 19. Elijah, the Bible says, was afraid and he ran for his life. Once again, he was filled with faith, one moment to the point where he was mocking. He was making fun of all of the, the false prophets. And in the next moment, fear gripped his life, gripped his heart. What changed? His perspective changed. God didn't change. God's power didn't change. God didn't leave him. That didn't change. The only thing that changed was his perspective. And so how you view your problem has everything to do with how you're going to come out of your problem or not come out of your problem. His situation was real. So is yours. You're in a battle. Nobody's nobody's taking that away from you. But I'm telling you this morning that you have the ability to choose your, your approach, you have the ability to choose how you're going to allow yourself to think about the problem that you find yourself dealing with, right? The second message that he would share with us today, I only have six and I'm already on number two. We're rolling, right? We're rolling. Somebody say, we're rolling. The second message that Elijah would share with us today, if you're alone, you're alone by choice. I want you to think about that for a second. Because one of the things that the enemy does is he isolates us. He separates us. Why? To destroy us. And if you're alone, you're alone because you choose to be alone. I can't even tell you this last week how many times I've I've heard, I'm all alone. Nobody understands. Nobody cares. Nobody's around. You know what? You might be alone solely and simply because you choose to be alone. Do I, do I mean that it's going to be easy and the first person that you approach is just going to welcome you with open arms? No, but I'm telling you, if you're alone, you're alone because you're choosing to be alone. You have found your identity and your comfort. It, it's almost like a, a warm blanket on a, on, a, on, a, on a cold night. My loneliness comforts me. You know, it's the one thing that I, can, that I can count on. Listen, if you want to get rid of the blanket, get rid of the blanket, because there are people that will do life with you. There are people, come on, that will listen to what it is that you're going through. There are people that while they may not have all the answers, there are people that God will position in your life that have some of the answers to help you. And if that answer is simply just listening, then they will be there for you. You're alone. If you're alone today, you're there solely because you've made the choice and the decision to be alone. See, sometimes we as Christians, we're so good at thinking, man, if God really cared for me, he would just send me all of these people. All these people would just come and they would just be ministering to me all the time. Man, if God really had a call on my life, then all of these people, you know, what pastor would call me and say, hey, listen, I've got a job for you to do. I've got this conference that, that I need you to preach and speak at when you've never preached or spoken in your life and it would destroy you. Right? We, we are always putting and shifting blame. We are the generation of blame shifters. Nobody takes responsibility for anything these days. And I'm telling you, if you're alone, you need to come out from that place of loneliness because there are people that will do life with you. And I'm one of them. I'm one of them. But there are many. So come out from that from that place. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 3, when he, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, verse 4, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. I want you to know this, that the servant that was with Elijah didn't leave Elijah. Elijah left him. Come on, he's already in a bad mood. He's already dealing with some major issues. He's already fearful, running for his life and then he makes the decision to be alone left to his own thoughts right left to his own thinking not having any kind of any kind of outside you know influence or 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 words being spoken into his life i'm telling you it's a very very dangerous place they call it ruminating whenever you're left to your own thoughts your own ideas and not having any external Come on, God, we are the church. We are his church. We are called to do life, you know what I mean, together. And and this is what we see even in the church today. We see somebody going through troubles and struggles, right? Next thing you know, people are asking, where is so-and-so? Well, I don't know. I haven't seen him in a while. Well, I haven't seen him in a while either. And so they don't reach out. They, 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 you have no idea where that you call them, and 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 this is the answer. Well, I've been going through some trouble, some struggles. Really, I could have told you that because you're not in church. I could have, I could have, I could have. I'm not prophesying. I'm just smart. I've been around people enough to know that when people have issues, they remove themselves from the very place that they're gonna find the answers, right? They're gonna and the support and what it is that they need. Elijah was no different. He left his servant in the middle of of, of this conflict in his life. When I was in the Marine Corps, we used to have this motto, it didn't matter if it was, it was your room team or if it didn't matter if it was your fire team, it didn't matter if it was your squad, it didn't matter if it was your platoon, it just didn't matter. But the, the idea was you're only as strong as your team. You're only as strong as your teammates, your team members. And so the idea is that if somebody is struggling and going through some issues, we need to give them some attention, come on to strengthen them to strengthen them up. Amen. Number three is this. God's plan is always the best. We're already halfway done. God's plan is always the best. His plan is better than your plan. God's plan is better than your plan. If you don't get anything else out of the service today, leave with this. God's plan is better than your plan. God's plan is better than my plan. When my plan diverts from God's plan or is different than God's plan, I need to throw my plan in the garbage and get on, get on, get on the same page with, with his plan. The Bible says that he came to a broom bush, which a broom bush is a very small tree. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. Elijah just has this incredible victory, sits down under a tree and he's like, God, just take me now, kill me now, I'm ready to go. And then he says this, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. This is a terrible plan. This is not God's plan. It wasn't God's plan for Samson to have his eyes gouged out. But guess what? That's what happened and God was able to use it. This is a terrible plan. This is not God's plan for his life, for him to lay down and, and, and have these suicidal these suicidal thoughts. And you might be in here today thinking some of the same things that, you know what? I'm just tired, man. I'm tired of being tired and I've had enough. And I'm telling you this, that if you're thinking thoughts where it's like, you know what? This life, you can take it or leave it. I'm telling you, reach out to somebody and let somebody know the volatility of where your thinking is right now. Because A, it's wrong thinking. God's plan for your life is to give you life and to use your life from the very beginning that it starts all the way through the end that he has planned for it. Right? His plan is not for you to take yourself out because of the enemy to take yourself out of his will and his perfect plan for your life. And I'm telling you this, that I'm not, making, I'm not making light of this. I'm telling you this, that as a church, we will figure out how to get you the help that you need so that you can come out from that dark thinking that you find yourself in. I don't know what would need to happen, but I can tell you this, God does. He knows what needs to happen, right? He has the answers to your issues, the answers to your problems. And, um, and I'm just saying, don't give up. We're here for you at this moment. Also, at this very moment in the middle of all of the issues that you find yourself in, you just see a fraction of everything that's to come. You know, there, there are there are stories of people. That, that, that had these same suicidal thoughts. And, and the, the end of the story is, wow, I'm glad I didn't follow through with it because God was able to use me. And my life is valuable now, and God is using me. And, and, and man, I wake up every day with hope whenever I was, I was filled with hopelessness in my past. I'm telling you, that's the kind of God that we serve. Amen? Yeah. So at this moment, you only see a fraction of life. How many of you remember the first time, the first time, I'm taking this all the way back to the first time that you ever saw, and these were cheesy films back then, but they were so real back then also, the very first time that you ever saw the movie Jaws right? You, you've, you've never heard the soundtrack. You've not, you've not, you don't know. All you know is it's about sharks with all of it. You know, many of us have a, a genuine, sincere fear of, of these, of these tigers in the ocean, right? And then all of the sudden, you know what I mean? You hear the and then you see a streak of gray and then you're dun right and then all of a sudden all you just you just see splashing in the water because it was so cheesy back then but you see splashing and then all of a sudden red just is all over all over the place right and you're like you're gripping your pillow and you're like i'm never gonna i'm never gonna take a bath again in my life you know and then the next scene, remember, you've not seen this movie before. The next scene is this. There's a group of kids, you know, playing in the water. And you don't see a shark. You don't see nothing. But all you hear is, dun, dun. and you're, you get up out of your seat, and you're screaming at that big old television that you used to have. You're screaming at, the, get out of the water. Get out of the water. Get out. Get out. The thing is is you know what's coming because you heard the da dun but those people they've never experienced, they've never heard the soundtrack before. They're just frolicking, having fun, you know what I mean, in the water. And then all of a sudden the same thing happens. But this is the deal. You see what's coming because you can can tell where the movie's going because of the soundtrack. And I'm just saying this, that God sees the beginning from the end and he's just like, no, don't stop there. I've got so much more in store for you, but we see the here, the moment, the now, the moment. And I'm just saying that don't take yourself out. Do whatever it takes. Sometimes you got to pull out all the stops to do whatever it takes to save your marriage. you got to pull out all of the stops. you got to do whatever it takes to save your life. Like, what's the, what's the value of a life? You're worried about paying $40,000 to put yourself into, into a rehab center because you're like, we don't have $40,000. Guess what? $40,000 will come and if it's $40,000 to save your life to get you off of the bottle or away from the pills, is your life worth 40,000 bucks? You better believe it is. You, sometimes you've got to do whatever it takes to come out from the place that you find yourself in. Like there's no, there's no cost that's too great. There's no cost that's too great. Well, I might lose my job. You might lose your job anyway, the way that you're living. And you might lose your life, and you might lose your family, and you might lose everything else. Is $40,000 worth keeping your family together? You better believe it. It's going to cost you a whole lot more than forty grand. All right. 1 Kings 19.5, all at once the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And this wasn't just like a touch. I think this was like your mom coming in and you're already late for school, shaking you. You know what I mean? And you've got that panic in your, in your heart and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm awake, I'm awake. And the angel's like, shake it off. I know what you're going through, but it's not over. I remember when I was in the, in the Marine Corps in the Philippines, I was stationed there and I was out on patrol. And you guys have heard this a thousand times already. But I was out on patrol and Mount Pinatubo erupted and and it was pitch black in the middle of the in the middle of the day and trees were falling, you know, falling all around us. And and literally here here you've got a group of five Marines. That, that we all are thinking, we're all thinking, man, we're not going to get out of here because you're in triple canopy jungle and that ash is so hot and so heavy. It was the, the weight of it that was just dropping trees. Animals are going crazy, just all kinds of crazy sounds. Trees are dropping all around us. And you have, you have the tendency, I don't care what kind of training you have, but you have the tendency by fear to be paralyzed. And this is the deal. We started verbalizing, listen, we're not dead yet. And what that mean, meant is if we're not dead yet, then we've got something that we can do about it. And, and I mean, imagine if we just, who knows what would happen if we just chose to stay in that situation. And I'm just telling you this, in your life, in your situation, it's not over. You're not dead yet, right? Right keep moving keep doing what it is that you know to do verse 9 says this there he went into a cave i got to speed up here and spent the night and the word of the lord came to him what are you doing here elijah he replied i've been very zealous for the lord god almighty the israelites have rejected your covenant they've torn down your altars and they put prophets put your prophets to death with the sword i am the only one left I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I love his honesty, and I believe that the next thing that the Lord would tell us, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but or Elijah would tell us that, listen, you can be honest with God. But I'm saying your honesty with God, it might be from a limited perspective. When we're honest with God, sometimes we don't bring God into the middle of the of the, of the situation. All we're doing is we're complaining about, which he will, I've complained to the Lord so many times. In fact, this is what I'm gonna tell you. If you don't think that you can be honest with God, you can. And for some of you, like this is the answer, this is gonna be your go away, that I'm gonna start really sharing my heart, my issues, my thoughts, my feelings with the Lord because he's big enough. Now, I would tell you this, that I would use, I would honor the Lord in the middle of this. You know, some people just say, "Oh yeah, you can just do whatever." And while that might be the case, come on, uh, a healthy fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I would, I would, I would still keep in mind who it is that you're talking to. But His shoulders are big enough, right, to 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 handle your issues. And oh, by the way, when you begin to talk to Him, He might give you the answer at that very moment. Verse 11, the Lord said, Go out and stand. This is, he goes again, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Same thing that happened with Moses, all right? <clears throat> then a great and a powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And I'm just telling you this, that when we're going through troubles in life, right, we want the power of God to manifest itself. But the Lord's not always in the the powerful things like the earthquake, the wind, and the fire. Sometimes the Lord is in the still small voice that is able to just calm you down. And so I believe that Elijah would share with us that, hey, listen, cultivate some intimacy with the Lord. Uh, slow yourself down because it's in this moment when when the Lord you know comes in this gentle whisper. It's in that very moment that Elijah leaves the cave out to the opening of the of the cave, and he is, I believe, at that point able to see all these other things that the Lord has just done. But it was the whisper that moved him. I believe that he saw the destruction of the wind, the fire, and all. Just my my thinking. All right. Verse 13, when Elijah heard it, he pulled the cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him again, what are you doing here? It's the same question. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah, brilliant, like me, gives the same answer. It's like, I just told you, but I'm going to tell you again. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and they put the prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. So number five is this. Number five out of six, oftentimes God wants to change your position. Oftentimes God wants to change you and asks you to change your position. See, the problem is you're looking for your solution in the darkness of a cave. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been spelunking. But it is a really cool feeling to be 100 feet down in a hole and then, and then you're with a group of people and everybody turns off their headlamps at the same time. And you're just like waiting for your eyes to adjust and they don't adjust and you're waiting for your eyes to adjust and they don't adjust. But because the absence of the, it's it's the complete absence of light, there's no light in that place. And this is why the Lord calls us to oftentimes change our position. Because you're in a place, whether it be in your thinking, emotionally, spiritually, or even physically, where you cannot receive what it is that the Lord has for you. He's got to change you. He's got to move you out of the position that you're in. Verse 15, Matt, you can come on up. The Lord said to him, go back the way that you came and go to the desert, Damascus. I want you to anoint Haziel, king over Aram, also Jehu, the son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, over Abel, Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. And then he goes on to say, down in verse 18, and yet I want you also to know that there's 7,000 other prophets. You just gave me two answers where you said, I'm the only one left And they're trying to kill me too. Elijah, there are 7,000 other prophets just like you. Not only are you not alone because I've never left you, but you're not alone because there's 7,000 other prophets doing the same thing that you're doing. You're not alone, but this is what happens. We go through our stuff and we think nobody is going through what i'm going through nobody has ever been what i'm what 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 i'm you know where i'm where i'm at and that's just not the truth not only is god with you but there are others that have walked through come on have you ever been you know down and out and your chin just dragging through you know the dirt and woe is me and 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 then all of a sudden you come across somebody that's got some real problems the real problems like like your perspective shifts and it changes you know you're worried because you're 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 nursing a little calf injury and you're just like I just, man, all this progress that I've, that I've made and now I'm just gonna go backwards and la-da-da-da. And then you come across somebody in the gym that's in a wheelchair with a huge smile on their face, climbing up on the machinery that you jumped off of just seconds ago. There's something happens whenever, whenever you take your eyes off of yourself And you begin to look around. You're not alone. And your situation, though it's bad. Come on, there's always other people. And it's amazing to me. Sometimes these other people, their outlook and approach to life is a hundred times better than, than those of us that got these little issues. And I'm not making light of your little issues because little issues become big issues when you focus on little issues. And little issues kill people. Little things kill people. Little pe- things take people out of this, this, this race called life. Yet I reserved 7,000 in all of Israel whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Number six is this. When you're off track, you got to go back. When you're off track, you got to go back. It's crazy. The Lord calls him out to the, out to the opening of the cave. And he, and he starts speaking to him the same way that the Lord had spoken to him a hundred times before. You see, he was a prophet of God. That means that he was a messenger to the people. He would hear from the Lord and then he would go tell the people. He would hear from the Lord and he would go tell the people. Guess what? He comes out from the back of the cave. Now he's in the light. He comes out from the darkness, and he's in the light. What does he do? He hears from the Lord, and now he's challenged to go tell the people. Go anoint this guy king. Go anoint this person as prophet. He's like, I'm still using you. I'm still moving through you. My anointing is still still on you. He says, go back the same direction that you came. And sometimes when you're off track, you just got to go back. You got to go back. You have to, you have to go back. He said, the Lord was speaking to Elijah. Listen, what got you to the highest of highs is because you listened to me. There was intimacy. Come on, you knew my word. You trusted my word. And he's saying, listen, somewhere along the way, when that woman said that she was going to kill you, you threw all of that stuff, all of that experience out the window. Go back to the basics. And this is what I'm telling you this morning, that if you find yourself away from God, if you find yourself lonely and you're like, you know what, there was once a time where, man, I was just so fired up about the things of God and I was unshakable. Man, I I had great faith. I'm telling you this, that this message is for you. Go back to where you came from. Go back to what it is that you left. (laughs) And start doing those things, come on, once again, right? Have you ever met somebody that was smiling that shouldn't be smiling? You're like, man, how can they have the joy of the Lord? It's because they've cultivated intimacy with God. Amen? Amen. Do you guys receive the word of the Lord today? Amen. Let's give them a hand clap. Now listen, real quick. I'm gonna do this real quick, but this is the most important part of the whole service. Okay. The only way that you're going to have complete success in this life is if you're in the Lord. Like you can raise a, you can have a bunch of money. You can have more money than in your in your bank account than you or your kids will ever be able to spend in in your life. Like you can have that. You can have the success, you can have the title, you you can be honored in your community, but I'm telling you this, that if you do not have the Lord, you will not be successful in this life. And guess what? If you don't have the Lord, you will not step into, into the glory, into eternity to spend all time in eternity with the Lord. There's no being a good enough person. There's no donating enough time. There's not There's not the scale in life like if you've done more good things than you have bad things. And even though it's close, whoo, I just barely made it. Like the only way that you're going to be successful in this life and go to heaven, which is where God wants you to be. He said, Jesus said this, I go to prepare a place for you that where I and my father am, that you might be there also. The only way that you get to that place is by being in in relationship with Jesus. You have to, you have to know him. You have to not just know about him. You, you, You can't just say, man, my family, there's a bunch of preachers and teachers and and Sunday school, you know, workers and things like that. I come from a good line of family members and and by default, like I should be grandfathered in. This is a personal relationship with Jesus. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you this. We're not at a funeral this morning where everybody goes to heaven, right? Everybody doesn't go to heaven. Matter of fact, the scariest scripture in the whole Bible to me Is There's a group of people that are going up, standing before the Lord. We've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've laid hands on the sick, and they were healed in your name. And Jesus himself looks at them and says, You depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I don't know who you are. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people, I believe, that are thinking in this world That they're going to be okay in the afterlife. And Jesus is going to say that that thing. I don't know you. I would love to know you. I would love to, to have had some history with you. Even if it was just a little history. But we have no history together. You don't know me and I don't know you. I mean, I know of you. I know all about you. I see, I've seen your life. Oh, and by the way, I sent this person. I sent that person. I was there on that Sunday morning, which is this Sunday morning when that pastor got up and gave you the opportunity to receive me and you just left and you were just like, I'll think about it some more. I was always reaching out to you, but I don't know who you are. You never, you never trust me. You never receive me. And so I'm asking you this question. Do you know him? And if you don't know him, and you want to know him, I'm asking you to stand with me right now. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved, amen? So I'm asking you to do something super bold right here. Ma'am, thank you so much, I love that. I'm asking you to join her, join her. And if nobody else is awesome, thank you, ma'am, I love that. Anybody else right now? You just like, listen, I want to make that decision right now. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I want you to stand to your feet. Anybody? Awesome. Thank you, ma'am. Awesome. Thank you, sir. So good. Anybody else? Awesome. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Anybody else? All right. I want everybody else to stand with us as well, because that means that all of us have prayed this prayer. and We're going to pray it all again right now. It's a simple prayer. And I'm telling you, this prayer is the beginning. It is the beginning of a relationship with Jesus Christ that is going to lead to tremendous success, not only here, but your name. Listen, all of you that just stood right now, like, listen, your name is being written in the Lamb's Book of Life right now, right now, because of your decision to receive him. Amen. So I want you to repeat this simple, simple prayer after me. Jesus, I am a sinner. I thank you for dying on that cross for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash them away. I ask you to come into my life and not only save me, but to be the Lord of my life, the boss of my life. I'm asking you, Lord, to use me. And I want to thank you for giving your best for me. And today I give my best to you. I receive you in Jesus name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can we give the Lord just a hand clap just real quick? Now listen up, listen up. The Bible is so clear on this that all of heaven rejoices. When one person, one person gives their heart to the Lord, all heaven rejoices. And so I want you to know this, that there's a great celebration taking place, not only here right now because of your decision, but also in heaven. You're being cheered on, rooted on. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you've made that decision this morning... I want you to come and join me right here. I wanna spend some personal time with you. We're gonna leave just for a moment. You'll be back in three minutes. But if you made that decision, I'm gonna ask you to come down quickly right now. This was your decision for the first time. Come down quickly right here. Come on, please, please, I will. Come. I know where you're at. I'll come get you, I'll come and grab you by your hand. And awesome, right here, I know there's another. There's another, come on, let's celebrate some more. Awesome. God, I thank you for today. Thank you for these incredible, incredible people. And I pray in Jesus' name, God, that the work that has started here today, you will finish. I thank you. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you.
0: That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch.